Well, hello there, neighbors. Thank you for listening to the 10th episode of the Feeding Handbook Podcast. I like to celebrate milestones. And this is the 10th episode. This is amazing. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. I've been putting so much time and effort into creating this podcast because I want to help you. For you to be listening leaves me feeling overjoyed. Thank you. At this point, our total listener count is in the double digits. Did you hear that? Our total listener count is in the double digits, and you are contributing to that. Thank you. It's amazing, and it wouldn't be possible without you. I just wanted to provide you with the kind of experience about which I dreamed when my young child had such difficulties with feeding. I hope that you're starting to find value in this podcast. If you're not, go to the work with me section of drfka.com or feedinghandbook.com website and let me know. If you do like it, please review my podcast. Give it five stars for good measure, please. Or if not, just email me at the work with me section of drfka.com and tell me why you don't like it because I will listen to that. I'd love to hear your story. Today, I want to draw a correlation between the growth of this podcast and the beginning of the parenting journey. I think that the stages at the beginning of the podcast can be similar to the stages of parenting, and I want to describe some of the common emotions in these two very different experiences. I want to use this episode to discuss the loneliness of parenthood especially when your child has challenges around food, such as food allergies, picky eating, mealtime behaviors, lack of hunger, things like that. I want to compare it to the loneliness of starting a brand new podcast. I want to validate that experience of loneliness and discuss what to do with it. We don't have to be as lonely, or even if we are lonely, because so many of us as new parents do experience loneliness, we do get lonely, at least we can know that we're not lonely alone. Hi, I'm Dr. Evka. I'm a physician and a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone. It was hard for me to find the answers and solutions as to why my child had significant feeding difficulties. It was hard to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications of various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as the mom. You will see a mom and a child who have come a long way in the feeding department. Life feels so much less scary. I have so much powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier, and I have more of my life back. I created this uh, feeding handbook podcast, so want you to have some actionable, simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have questions about nutrition, picky eating, if you have a young child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems so much more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only. I'm not your doctor. If your child has specific medical concerns, please see your doctor or other members of your healthcare team. Today's episode is sponsored by the Crying Baby Academy. If you are a new parent, 
at the start of your journey with your baby and your baby just cries and cries or seems to have colic or has concerning symptoms like reflux, the Crying Baby Academy may be just for you. I'm looking for beta testers for my very first iteration of the Crying Baby Academy. That means that you get a free research-based course for free as long as you fill out the application process and give me feedback on what you think of the course. Did you hear that? It's free. It's the only time that I will be offering the Crying Baby Academy for free. So if you're thinking about what to get for Christmas for somebody or for any other holiday that comes up until the end of this year. This would be one to get. It's free. I'm also excited to share that I'm working on um, another course with you. So once the Crying Baby Academy is done, it's no longer a free course. There will be another one to take its place. The Crying Baby Academy, in my opinion, is the best course of its kind. At the moment when it comes to having a baby who just cries and cries because it leaves off where a lot of the other courses have stopped so <laughs> it's available for a limited time but if it's not and you want to get a future course from me for free there will eventually be one about food allergies picky eating lack of appetite um, and some of your mindset around it Okay, this podcast will be divided into three sections. In the first section, we will discuss the difference between being alone and being lonely. In the second section, we'll discuss the factors contributing to parental loneliness. You'd be surprised how many new parents feel lonely. Let me tell you that it can be more common than you would expect. We will discuss how those feelings of loneliness can be amplified in parents whose children struggle with feeding. Third, we will talk about some strategies that might help with the feeling of loneliness. Are you ready? Let's take whatever loneliness we're feeling and turn it into action based upon the knowledge that we gained during this podcast. So what does it mean like to be alone? Like someone says that they're alone, what do they mean? So being alone can mean that you are without people that are usually with you and being alone can be a feeling of being unhappy as you're separated from other people for some people it also might mean that you're separated from your cat or your dog your horse or some other pet as humans we are social people we crave companionship when you're alone you miss out on the positive aspects of being around someone who cares about you you miss out on someone being fully present with you even if it's only for a few moments you missed out on that level of eye contact and supportive feedback. When I used to work in the hospital, I wanted to give you like an example of loneliness. So I'm going to talk about it in terms of what it's like to be alone and to be alone when you're in the hospital. When I used to work in the hospital, I saw what it was like when people were alone. Here I was as a doctor needing to share something profound with them. It was something that would change their entire world as I was about to give them a medical diagnosis and a potential prognosis that no one wants to hear. I had asked them if they could be someone who we could call on the phone to discuss what was happening. I would ask them who their emergency contact was. And it broke my heart to hear that their emergency contact was me, their doctor. That's, that was it. I asked them who their emergency contact was and they said, it's you you're my doctor and that broke my heart because there was no one else 
no friends to call, no family, when we had to discuss serious business. Being alone is a physical state where you are without another living being. Of course, I am talking about some of the most difficult moments in people's lives. These are times when some people don't mind being alone. Some of us just don't mind being alone that much at all, most of the time. Think of the social recluses out there, or some people in Alaska who live in the wilderness all day by themselves and seem to enjoy it. They are alone, but they might not necessarily feel as alone as others. We are social creatures, and most of us mind very much when we are alone for prolonged periods of time. Yet not all of us mind being alone. Some of us are more introverted than others and crave time when we are alone, when we don't have that companionship. So that's being alone. That's the definition of alone. When you are alone, you are without that companionship. It just doesn't. It's not there. You're without your another person you're without your pet you just there's no companionship so that's being alone how does being alone differ from being lonely being lonely is a state of being it's a state where socially contact does not fulfill you loneliness is an experience where parts of our brain associated with pain get activated yes pain feeling lonely can be a painful experience the painful experience can be common. The former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murphy once noted that more than three out of the five adults in the United States describe themselves as being lonely most of the time. That's over half of adults feeling lonely even prior to the current COVID-19 situation where we are even more socially isolated. Reminds me how it's okay to invite other people to hang out with you. Of course, in the COVID nineteen compliant way, during this COVID worldwide pandemic. You have a surprise. Okay, I'm not alone here. Give me a moment. I'll return. Okay, that was that was my child here, and we're no, we're not practicing social distancing with each other because she's my child, and she did not want to be so alone at that moment in her room so she had created a surprise and I couldn't say no um, I know what it's like when you are lonely and you want to crave companionship and even though it was only gone for the few moments that it took to write the uh, say this podcast that was enough for her she was feeling lonely and so I'm here anyway that's parenthood lovely parenthood and I wanted to talk about parenthood a little bit once you have your baby, life can change so much. It's hard to explain how much life can change once you have a baby. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a new parent, why don't you say, yeah, like you'll get it. You get it once you're a new parent. It's hard to explain beforehand. Life is different once you have a baby, right? If you're a new parent, you can probably tell me, uh-huh, because you get it. You get where I'm coming from. The loneliness of new parenthood, especially when you're the one doing most of the childcare, but even if you're not, can be very real. For many first-time parents, it's unexpected. This all-encompassing need to care for your baby can come at the expense of so many other disconnects in life. You're so busy parenting 
that um, there's almost like a disorientation over your prior roles and the loss of sense of your prior self because now you have become the parent. I've often heard people say that parenthood, when you have a young child or a baby, is considered a busy period of loneliness when you are never alone. You're not alone in parenthood but you can feel lonely in it. Let me repeat that because I think it's such a powerful statement. Parenthood is considered a period of busy loneliness when you are never alone in many situations because babies especially, as much as you love them and you're not alone, you're taking care of them. Um, they are might not be in the same wavelength as you can't quite have like these conversations about the astrophysics with them. Well, I guess you could. You could have a conversation with the baby, but most likely it's not going to kind of be one-sided. We can't have conversations with you about the intricacies of the latest horror film they just watched, for instance, unless that horror film is The Nightmare on Elmo Street. Check it out. It's an actual movie, but even then, we don't watch that much TV in our family, not even that much Elmo. I'm not sure I would recommend it, and I've never seen it. What I have seen is an imaginary visualization in which I used to partake. Prior to having my baby, I was a workaholic, a family physician who worked three different jobs, yet I had a sense of self in my workaholism, and I was somehow still the most important person in my life. Obviously, I cared about the patients, but it helped care for patients because that's what I wanted to do, and I cared for them because this was part of my self-identity. Then I visualized a particular moment, the moment when my precious baby was born. It was as if a grenade had detonated to erase the me-centeredness. Um, the me-centeredness, which was centered around me, boom, bomb, boom, it went away. Now the most important person in my life was no longer me. No, the most important thing in my life was my child. I had to learn quickly how to be selfless. Combine the sudden change in roles, the shift in self-importance, and the responsibility of being a parent. For me, it was a recipe for loneliness. Now imagine that you're already feeling lonely as a parent, and now your child has difficulty with feeding. What does that feel like? Here's just one example of it. Jenny recently told me, I'm so tired. My child had so many food allergies. A year old, we have no safe foods except for breast milk. Today is day four of our trial of pumpkin, and I so want him not to feel this. I need him not to feel this. My mental health needs him to finally find a safe food. I am so tired. For a year, I have been doing round-the-clock breastfeeding. For a year, I haven't slept for more than two hours at a time. For a year, I have lived a life of depression, anxiety, depression, and loneliness, profound loneliness. I am not the same person that I used to be. I don't recognize this sad, lonely, short-tempered person who I have become. I don't know how I have energy for anything else. My marriage, my other child who feels neglected, or anything else in my life. I am not alone, but I am so very lonely. 
Loneliness is associated with development of post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and fear. Loneliness happens when no one around you quite gets it. In Jenny's case, I don't think that she could find the local mother whose uh, child also had no safe foods except for breast milk at a year old. The stress of having a child with multiple food allergies. The fear that she had by going out and meeting other parents and children. Her child would be exposed to food that would lead to the child getting sick. When we become parents, we get to see how dependent our babies are on us, and we must consider their needs. In Jenny's case, considering the needs of the baby was associated with profound loneliness. She didn't have access to many of the activities the new parents used to combat loneliness. At least she didn't have access to them in the same way. You see, when Jenny encountered other local parents with whom she could make friends, things didn't go in the same way most ideal way. If she did strike up a conversation with a parent that she met, the parent would eventually talk about feeding. The parent would talk about switching solids and no longer having to breastfeed. The parent would talk about the freedom of being able to venture out to different places with their child and enjoy food with others. Then the potential parent friend would hear about Jenny's baby. No seafoods, lots of breastfeeding, tons of sleep deprivation. The parent of the one-year-old whose child did not have food-related concerns wouldn't quite relate. It just couldn't. It wasn't their life. Jenny yearned for acceptance and understanding from other local parents, but they couldn't quite understand. This seemed strange to them, and some of them tried to separate themselves from Jenny. They thought, Hmm, Jenny's life seems so complicated, and I have so many stressors of my own. I need to take a step back from Jenny. This kind of thought pattern didn't help Jenny at all. What did Jenny then have to try to do? Seek out other parents in similar situations where their children also had difficulty with the feeding or the multiple food allergies. The problem is she didn't know any other parent going through a similar thing in her neighborhood. This brings me to my next topic. What strategies might help with the feeling of loneliness? In moments of desperation, many of us partake in local networking sprees. We try to join the local mother's club or other activity that brings new parents together, and then we figure out how to socialize. Yet what if we can't make it to the neighborhood events? In today's day and age, we look at social media. There are social groups for parents whose children have food allergies, F-pies, picky eating, feeding tubes, gastroparesis, various genetic conditions, mealtime behaviors, and so on. It's in these types of groups that parents who may be separated by physical distance find their community. I'm someone who believes that when you are experiencing something that can shake you to the core, like a young child for whom feeding is quite difficult, you meet some of your closest supporters, other families who get you on such a deep level as they get it. The fact that you have been breastfeeding for a year and your child has no safe foods other than breast milk, for the general public, that fact may not be well understood. Yet for you, in these groups, you find others going through the same thing. You find your tribe. As I went through this feeding journey, I developed some very close friendships to people who lived 
thousands of miles away. We found ourselves facing similar issues and we were together on the internet. However, purely online relationships are no substitute for in-person relationships. You do not get to know the person in the same way. Thus for us, social messaging turned into real conversations over the telephone or via video. Then those conversations turned into ways that we helped each other even though we were so far away. All of a sudden, I got a modern day equivalent of it takes a village to raise a child. My village experienced what I did. We felt incredibly united by our desires to help our children. Then the other thing that can help you with loneliness is accepting it. What? Some of you are conditioned to avoid painful feelings and loneliness can feel painful. Remember, activates parts of the brain associated with pain. Loneliness can feel painful. Yet what if you let yourself experience it with the hope that it will be temporary? What if you allow yourself to feel emotion? Often we numb ourselves until we do not feel much of anything at all. By allowing ourselves to feel that loneliness, you are getting the fuller depth of human experience. Then use that emotion to become a healthier version of yourself. That might mean that you spend more time on life coaching or working with a therapist to resolve some of your concerns. That might mean that you use exercise to release feel-good hormones that combat that feeling of loneliness. That might mean that your diet changes into a healthy one as certain nutritional deficits or deficiencies can exacerbate the feeling of loneliness. Then know that loneliness will be temporary, hopefully, and you are not alone. The third step that I would like you to, to take is to realize that when loneliness is more than loneliness. So if you're feeling lonely, realize that sometimes loneliness is more than just that. If you are feeling lonely, talk to your doctor about the loneliness. You can actually print out and fill out a questionnaire that measures loneliness. It's called the UCLA Loneliness Scale. I will link to it in my freebie for this episode. It actually gives you a sense of your loneliness and how it compares to the loneliness of other people. This may lead your doctor to ask questions about depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other medical disorders. Not to say that you have those, I just want to make you aware that loneliness can sometimes be a sign of something bigger that needs to be addressed. Before we leave, let me share with you a poem about what it can be like to be a parent of a child with challenges around food. One of my friends, Jenna Shapira, uh, shared it with her Facebook group, and I do not know who the original author is. However, I love this poem because of how it speaks to our feelings, the feelings of parents whose children have food allergies, picky feet eating, mealtime behaviors, lack of appetite, feeding tubes, dream feeding, or medical symptoms that contribute to challenges with feeding or other special needs. Here's the poem. I see you. I see you running your child to therapy when your friends are running their kids to Little League or ballet. 
I see you slipping out of the conversation when your friends are all in chiming about milestones and test grades. I see you constantly juggling appointments and meetings. I see you sitting at your computer for hours researching what your child needs. I see you cringe when people whine about what it feels like and talk about these petty things. I see you spread thin, but still going the extra mile for your family. I see you digging for depths of strength you never dreamed you had. I see you showing appreciation to the teachers, the therapists, and medical professionals who serve your child with you. I see you rising early in the morning to do it all again for another chaotic night. I see you when you're hanging on to the end of your rope for dear life. I know you feel invincible, like nobody knows any of it, but I want you to know that I notice you. I see you relentlessly pushing onward. I see you keep choosing to do everything in your power to give your child the best possible care at home, in school, at therapy, and at the doctor. What you're doing matters. It's worth it. On those days when you wonder if you can do it for another minute, I want you to know I see you. I want you to know you're beautiful. I want you to know it's worth it. I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know love is what matters most and you have that nailed. And those days when you have breakthroughs, those times when the hard work pays off and success is yours to cherish, I see you there too and I am proud of you. Whichever day today is, you're worthy, you're good, and I see you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Feeding Handbook podcast, formerly known as the Feeding Made Easy podcast. So glad that you're listening. See you here again around the same time next week. And if you want to share your story about your child when it comes to feeding, let me know. Contact me via my Instagram page or email me via my website, feedinghandbook.com or drevka.com. Thank you.